Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. We appreciate your being with us once again. This week, we're actually going to get back to our roots a little bit, and we're going to talk about some research related to endurance sports. Specifically, we're going to talk about what research says about the music that you should be listening to while you're actually doing workouts. And we're going to get into the beats per minute of some of the songs that are on our workout playlists. After that, we're going to talk about a recent study, albeit a fairly small study, that showed that there were differences between the physiological responses that men had and women had, depending on whether they worked out in the morning or in the evening. It got me pretty twisted, as you will hear, and so I look forward to uh, sharing that with all of you in the next few minutes here. Uh, before we do any of that, we actually had an extended conversation about heart rate monitors and the varying ways that all of us actually gather our heart rate data and upload it to our training platforms so that we can assess how our training is affecting us over time. I should also mention here at the outset, Eric was not with us at the start of the podcast, but he did join us about 10 or 12 minutes in. So when you don't hear him introduce himself there at the very beginning, don't worry, he's on his way. Thanks for listening. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out their conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach would be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race trips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. 
Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. Flarex products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayerX.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT22 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayerX for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast brought to you by ITO Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a father of twin boys, and I'm a college professor. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a mom to three girls and a CPA. Mom to three girls. Did you say that you have a fun run for your kids coming up at the school here over the course of the next short while? I do. My third grader has a fun run at one o'clock today. So we have a we have a hard stop. This podcast will be no longer than 66 minutes, at least not with me on it. Um, yeah, she's very excited. She wants to be like mommy. So, very cool. Very cool. I just got back. The reason why I bring it up is because I just got back from my son's turkey trot um, at their school. They had a corporate partner that's a gym come in and kind of warm them all up. Um, and then they ran outside and did two laps kind of around the uh, the campus, which was cool. Um, I mean, it was a legit run. They probably ran a half mile. Um, you know, true. it's not like they ran two laps around the gym and called it a day. And then they had a DJ out there that was playing like finish line music, which I thought was super fun and super cool as well. Um, so, yeah, it was neat. I was uh, I was cheering for them. They are getting ready to do the uh, the the turkey trot or the gobble jog here in Marietta uh, next uh, week on Thanksgiving, the most popular running day in the United States. Um, and they will be uh, doing a 5K. So we'll see how that goes. That's very exciting. Yeah, we typically, they do laps around the field for a set amount of time and they have, you know, sponsor per lap. So like I'll give her $5 and <clears throat> every grandparent gives $3 anyways. It's a good fundraiser for the and school. And then if she they, runs like 10 laps, you donate five dollars. No, I mean, 50 bucks. No, last year she ran like 30 and it was about $150. <laughs> Did you learn um, your lesson and instead give her like a dollar a lap this time? <laughs> no, this year I went up to 10 feeling pretty what? good about, about life. <laughs> but they sent an email last night that said it's too cold. So typically they run laps around the soccer field and they have, they almost make it like a, a glitter, a glitter, like a color run. Mm -hmm. uh, but this year they said they're moving it to the gym because they don't want kids to be cold. And I was just a little bit disappointed in that because I feel <laughs> like put on some layers and grab a as pair the of as the runner and podcaster who always talks about how great it is to run in the cold. You were disappointed by the fact that the school is actually looking out for the well-being of the children. <laughs> hey, my daughter had gloves laid out. She's ready to go. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, no, it was super cold. It was 38 degrees in the sun. Um, and the course actually went through the shade a little bit. So, so yeah, I, uh, I, I bid them farewell and I left their finish line party pretty quickly, but, uh, but, 
Um, but, but yeah, it was super fun thing to do. Ours was not a fundraiser, um, which, which I appreciated. It was just sort of a, sort of a cool, fun thing that parents could come and cheer and the kids ran around and all that sort of thing. Are you doing a, are you doing a race next week on Thanksgiving? I did. I overpaid for the Thanksgiving day half marathon All right. (laughs) because I was afraid that I would wake up and just have wanted to go for a longer run Mm -hmm. or at least participate in something, um, I get stuck every year. Just I, in my mind, what I really want is just to wake up and stay in pajamas and drink coffee and watch the parade with my kids. Mm-hmm. But my 16 year old <laughs> said a few weeks ago, like, mommy, never in my life have I woken up on Thanksgiving and you've been home in your pajamas sitting exactly. and watching the Thanksgiving day parade. Um, so yeah, I signed up and I'm, I'm pretty happy about it. Although I will say if it rains, I don't know. <laughs> It's it and it is forecasted to rain. <laughs> I know. And so we'll see how that goes. Yeah. No, I that see now that's the dream for me. And I, I I said on this podcast already, I think that I I want my sons when they're sixteen to say the same thing to say, okay, this is what we do on Thanksgiving. We get up and we go run. I want them to kind of say that about July Fourth as well. You know, when it comes to the Peachy Road Race, that we don't have to run the same race every single Thanksgiving. Uh, there's plenty of different options, but this is something we do on Thanksgiving. Um, we sure. go to our grandparents' house to eat turkey and we, we uh, don't go to school and we watch the parade perhaps. Um, and we run a race. Um, it so it feels more. better to me if, if their memory is we, we do this, we get up and we run a True. race. I think, I think my kids uh, are like, well, why would mommy be home on Thanksgiving morning? <laughs> True. Good point. So, good point. Yeah. They, they probably have like their own traditions they do when you're not around. <laughs> yeah. It's more like from their perspective, no, you don't actually want to just be home drinking coffee in your pajamas. So don't even, don't even say that. <laughs> so very good. Very anyway. good. Very good. Um, how's everything else going? Everything's going pretty good. Your training's all right. Training's all right. It's, uh, I'm debating whether to do a long run tomorrow or push it off a few days. I, you know, I think it's a good, uh, if your legs are just tired, I think it's okay to run. But if you're like sore, and of course, if you're hurt, like you should probably push it off a day or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had a pretty big hill workout yesterday, six okay. by three minutes. And I don't know, but three minutes is a really long time to just run up a hill. Yeah. So I'm super sore from that. But I don't actually think I'm sore. I think my legs are just tired. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I love the idea of getting a long run in on a Friday if I can, because then I have the weekend to not think about a long run. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. I'm a little we'll conflicted, see. but I have, you know, like, I don't know, 18 hours to decide. So you're totally you're totally right about the difference between sore slash injury and and fatigue. I mean, yeah. if you if you're marathon training or ultra marathon training, as the case is right now for you, like Carrying fatigue, some fatigue into your long run is a really good thing. I mean, you know all too well, like what a gigantic fan I am of carrying fatigue into runs, uh, whether whether that's fatigue from the bike or or fatigue from other runs. I mean, I, I think that's hugely productive and beneficial. It kind of sucks mentally and physically um, sometimes, right? I mean, I was, it, it can yeah. definitely take a little bit of the joy out of the run. Um, but I do think that from a strictly physiological place, it actually, um, is something that benefits you when you're training for those sorts of races. Um, yeah, it's just a threshold of an unknown because there's a difference between, let's say if you're at Kennesaw and you leave from the visitor section and that 
first, you know, seven tenths of a mile where you kind of climb just up to the main trail. Mm -hmm. So there's plenty of times where I do that and I don't feel great. Um, and, but it gets feeling better. Um, Mm -hmm. but the particular run that I have this weekend has me going just like we did a few weeks ago, about 15 miles first and then up and over the back of the mountain. Yeah. Uh, so (laughs) it's, you know, how much, how much fatigue is, is okay to still try to do that run and not want to kill myself at the bottom of the Pigeon Hill Trail, knowing I have to go up and over. So fair. Yeah, fair. I mean, and that's, you know, there are all sorts of, of companies and online platforms and everything else that have tried to quantify that, that have actually tried to give you a number for that, right? I mean, you know, your your Garmin watch, every single time you finish, will say, this is how long you need to recover, or this is what your current status is. You know, Training Peaks, which has been my training log for more than a decade now, gives you a number, uh, a training stress balance, a TSB, uh, that tells you exactly how fresh you can expect to feel. And they're super useful, right? Um, but, but at the same time, there's a bit of an art to it as well, that you have to kind of, you have to kind of look at what your training stress balance is. You have to look at what Garmin's telling you and you have to say, all right, well, I really would like to do this on a Friday and have my weekend. You know, I, I do, I do have these other concerns, these other life things going on, um, that, that, that I, I want to factor in here as well. So, so yeah, I'm more, I'm more externally motivated. I think like, if I knew you were going to be there tomorrow, this wouldn't even be a conversation. Yeah. Or. Right. <laughs> <it's okay. laughs> I'm chaperoning an elementary school field trip. I feel like I have a good excuse. <laughs> anyway, but then I also have somebody who, you know, would be willing to like run the whole thing with me. But then that I think I'm better off just if I'm going to go out on my own, because then I'm not, you know, I'm just kind of going at my own pace and I'm not digging myself into a hole that I might otherwise not if I, if I wasn't with somebody else. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm probably overthinking this a little bit, but you know, maybe it's only Thursday. So (laughs) I I don't think you're overthinking it. I mean, you'd only be overthinking it if you literally couldn't do anything else in your life. Overthinking. I like, I I don't love that term, but, but overthinking is only a thing to the degree that it, that it paralyzes action. Right. Um, And so so if you were literally overthinking and you couldn't do anything else in your life and you couldn't make a decision and you were stressing about it and you were breaking yourself down and then you woke up tomorrow morning and you were like literally sitting in a dark room trying to decide, okay, that would be problematic. (laughs) That would be overthinking, right? But you're still going on about your life. You're still managing high echelon. You're still, you know, looking after your kids and recording podcasts and and having good discussions and reading books and and all that sort of thing. So I I I think thinking about it is is fine. Um, I think it's fine. Um, we're actually going to be, I think it's a fitting that we're talking about these sorts of things here at the outset, because our focus today is talking about research and about sort of different things that we've been thinking about lately. And of course, we decided to, to look into some research and what research says about these sorts of things. Um, and we haven't done enough of that over the course of the past several months. And so we're going to be doing that a little bit of that today. But didn't you say that you got a new heart rate monitor, speaking of these sorts of things? Yeah. So as everybody here uh, knows, I have been wearing a Coros watch for several years and I just uh, went back to Garmin. I was a big part of their beta testing and um, just... Of Coros is beta testing. Yeah. Coros is beta testing. Um, anyway, so I went back to Garmin. I've uh, picked up a 255 Music Forerunner, the newest version. And, you know, coming from the first time I've had an optical heart rate on, on the Coros Apex and then uh, the Apex Pro, 
the Garmin optical heart rate, all my runs look like I'm, you know, like my average heart rate is 128 to 138. And I'm maybe sitting at 140 on like a pretty hard two or three hour run at Kennesaw. And um, so I'm used to these numbers around like the higher 140s, mid to lower 150s. So I decided I would be willing to spend the money. Um, and I got, I think it was like $120, the Garmin um, heart rate strap that Eric, who just joined us, yay, that's exciting, uh, told me to get. And now I'm trying to figure out is the heart rate that I see on my watch, the sensor is paired. Like is the information that I'm getting, is the watch using the optical heart rate monitor on the watch or is it taking it from the strap on my chest now? So, and the, and the reason why you're confused by that is because the the data you're actually getting supposedly from the from the chest strap is low, right? It's lower than you well, expected. Well, it's just right? as low as the watch. It's not. It's not really. <laughs> <laughs> Which, okay. Okay. So so here so so here here's my impression, and and Eric, by all means, step in and, and tell us what you think here. But but I'm pretty sure that Garmin and Coros and Polar and and all the rest of the brands, when you pair a device, it prioritizes that device. Um, it presumes that if you're going to go to the trouble of pairing a heart rate device, that that's probably what you want to use as opposed to using the built-in optical heart rate. And so I'm presuming that when once you've paired that, that's actually what's displaying on your watch and ultimately what gets what's uploaded to Garmin Connect. To me, the fact that the, the heart rate strap is giving you the same uh same data that you were getting from your watch um that you thought was too low that's lower than what your chorus was telling you for the past five years that doesn't suggest to me that the watch or the heart rate monitor are wrong that suggests to me that maybe the chorus watch was reading a little bit too high over the course of the past five years eric what do you think oh wow coming into this cold your question's a good one because i've wondered the same now my my watch, when it connects with my heart rate strap, it tells me, but it's one of those uh, fleeting indications. So, you know, external heart rate connected, and then it goes away. So I've always wondered, you know, looking at the screen, is that, is there an indicator that says it's connected to your external heart rate? I don't think there is. I think it just tells you whether or not it's reading heart rate. And I looked at the 255, which is the what you have. I have an 845, you have a 255. And I don't see an indicator that says connected to external device. Once you're in an activity, I do not think that you can tell whether it's connected or not. Now, what George said is definitely true. It will prioritize the most accurate sensor you have. And the chest strap is always going to be more sensitive than the optical sensor. So if it has a choice between the two, it's going to go with the chest strap. Right. So if I don't, if I wear this, let's say I'll probably give it a week or two of solid wearing it every run. If I don't see a huge variance in what I was seeing with the optical heart rate, I mean, is there any reason to keep it? It's like 120 bucks. <laughs> if it's going to give me the same number as the watch, why, like, why would I keep it? That's a fair question. There's a lot more information that you can gather from that heart rate uh, strap than you can from the optical sensor. Vertical and horizontal oscillation, mm -hmm. uh, all those like kind of in-depth um, analysis items that come off of the heart rate monitor strap that you don't get off your watch because it's on your arm. It's not centered on your chest, on your body mass. Well, I'll tell you the only external difference that I see is that everything on Strava prior to wearing the heart rate strap, the stats that Strava shows had average heart rate. And then if you look at today's, 
There's no average heart rate showing anymore. It just shows average power. So that's the only way that I really know. And today is technically the first day that it, that I confirmed that it was paired to the watch before I ran and I'm seeing power on the Strava and I've always seen average heart rate on every other run with the Garmin 255. Okay. I actually know the answer to that one. Um, and so if you are measuring power on your watch, when you upload it to Strava, Strava will prioritize power over heart rate numbers. I'm not um, measuring power unless the Garmin. Evidently you are. <laughs> the heart rate strap, the heart rate strap. Measures the heart power. rate strap is measuring the power now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this is my only proof that the, this is my only proof that the number is actually coming from the heart rate. Oh yeah. No, but, but re- remember the way that the way that power numbers work in running is you're not stepping on a force plate. It's basically just taking your heart rate, combining that with GPS, looking at your effort and your pace and all those sorts of things and just deriving a number. Um, it's, it's, it's not actually calculating the, the, the power that you are creating through the force that you are exerting through your feet into the ground. Um, and so, so by adding in that heart rate and the, and the, the, the vertical oscillation and all those various other things, it's calculating power now, and it's uploading that to your watch and you are in turn uploading that to Strava. And like I said, Strava always prioritizes power numbers over heart rate numbers. Well, maybe I don't want you guys to see my power numbers. Well, then 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 turn okay. it off. Well, I'd have well, to take the strap off then. No, you wouldn't have just... to take the strap off. Just just don't set it up on the watch to actually gather power numbers. George, I'm not setting anything up. All I did you... was pair the heart rate monitor with the watch. Yeah, you, you you but you 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 have. That's what I'm saying. You've actually you're you're gathering the power numbers. You've set up your watch to gather power numbers. You just don't realize you've set up your watch that way. This brings back all sort of nightmares from like a hundred episodes ago when we tried to figure when Koros introduced the power feature. Which I we... used for for a couple of months, which is how <laughs> yeah. I know that Strava actually prioritizes power. And it also goes back to the fact that that it's just power as we've discussed so many times and as our official as is our official podcast position power is just not a really good metric on the run michelle when you say it's not showing average heart rate just just so people aren't confused you're saying when you look at the activity on your phone in strava on the summary page because if you click on the activity and view details it will show you average heart rate on the heart rate sure but if you just look at this Strava feed, just the snapshot, you're going to see distance, moving time, average pace, elevation, gain calories. And then every other time that I wear this Forerunner 255 music prior to wearing the heart rate strap, the six box is heart rate, average heart rate. And now the six box is average power. Right. Right. Simply because of what George said, if it has the power information because you wore the heart rate strap, it's going to prioritize showing you that. That's what Strava does. That's not a Garmin thing. That's a Strava thing. But that is my only proof that the metrics that I'm getting are actually coming from the strap and not the watch. That's all the proof you need. Well, sure. (laughs) But like Eric said, you know, his watch gives him the confirmation external heart rate device, you know, confirmed or whatever, but it's fine. I did comb through the 255 manual this morning though to try to answer your question and I couldn't find it. So if Garmin's listening, fix yourself. (laughs) <laughs> you better you better Garmin. i mean wh- what would it take like the heart symbol just right. put something on the heart symbol that says external like a i don't know something mm. other than just yeah we've got your heart rate my, my old mean, garmin 920 had that 
Exactly. What, what, I was going to so say it, it, it didn't have an optical sensor on it. But when you would hook up a, your heart rate <laughs> monitor, a heart would just appear there. Yeah. And, and it would and the stay there for just... the remaining time. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they, they, they clearly took that feature off and and they need to add it back, at least to your watch, Michelle. <laughs> definitely just mine <laughs> definitely just yours definitely just yours i mean i i bring this up in part because i actually have just gone in the opposite direction i just in the last week or two decided to get rid of my heart rate strap and to start measuring everything through the optical heart rate monitor on my watch um and so so it used to be that when i would go out for a run outside i would measure it using the optical sensor in my watch um, and then when I would run inside or when I would ride the bike inside, I would always use my heart rate strap. Um, and my heart rate strap wasn't working super great. And as you suggested, there was what I sensed to be some inconsistency between the heart rate strap and the uh, the the optical sensor on my, my watch. Um, and so I decided for the sake of consistency to actually start using only my watch. Um, and so, yeah, it's been interesting kind of making that transition because my watch does read a little bit lower. And so I have to start kind of making those transitions in my mind as to what an acceptable heart rate is and what an appropriate heart rate is for a particular level of effort, both on the bike and on the run. I've actually done something similar. I, I, I don't use the heart rate strap running. It's just another thing to carry around. It's another thing to go wrong. It's another thing that, as Michelle said, I don't know if it's even connected. Mm -hmm. um, so I only use that when I'm cycling mm -hmm. because yeah. I, and I could use the optical off my wrist, but I figure I'd rather use the heart rate strap. Yeah. So. And that, and that, and that's, that's the way I had always been until literally last week. The funny thing is that, that the app on my phone, the polar app on my phone, which then, you know, pulls the data off of my watch and then will upload to Strava and up to Training Peaks and all that sort of thing. And it maintains its own count of how much work I'm doing and whether I'm, you know, staying fit. And when I was like at the height of my London marathon training, it told me that I wasn't really doing any work because I was riding the <laughs> bike and I was running workouts indoors and all that stuff. And it's like, you're detraining. You need to do a little bit more work. And I'm like, screw you, watch. How are you going to tell me that the, the, the 13 hours a week I'm training is not enough training, right? Well, now it's the opposite. Now that I'm using the watch to measure every single thing that I do, the watch every single day and and my the phone app every single day is like flashing at me. You're overtraining. You're overtraining. You're overtraining. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm doing the same thing I was before. As a matter of fact, I'm doing far less than I was a couple of months ago. Um, it's just that now you're part of the party. <laughs> um eric before you came on we were talking about the races we're running on thanksgiving you're running a race on thanksgiving right the skinny turkey skinny turkey yep in uh, wakefield just north of our home and grace and melissa are going to run the marathon half marathon and um i'm going to run the 10k i am the returning champion i am not in championship shape so i'm trying to come up with a race plan of um how to how to save face <laughs> <laughs> I, I certainly don't want the guy to finish me come across the line two minutes later and him look at me and go, you won this last year. I've <laughs> been <laughs> trying to figure that one out. All right. Very good. I, uh, the, the, I realized this week that the, the gobble jog, I ran it in 2013, the one that I'm doing on Thanksgiving, I ran it in 2013, 2016, 2019, and 2022. So I run it every three years. So it's a good thing I went ahead and signed up for it this year. Um, I haven't run the 10K there since 2013, since the first time I did it, which was nine years ago. 
And I was technically the winner that day, even though it's kind of a weird situation that I won't bother <laughs> to tell you about unless you really want to hear it. Um, and so, so uh, yeah, I guess, I guess I have a title to defend from 2013 since it's the first time that I've run it since then. And I don't feel like I'm going to defend this title, but we'll see who shows up. <laughs> we'll see who shows up. All right. Uh, like I said, we are going to be talking about some research today, and I, and I think there's a, a wide variety of reasons why we decided to talk about research today. Um, but the the first piece of research we're going to talk about has to do with listening to music while we're on runs. Um, and it's actually not going to be research we're talking about here because there's a lot of research about music on runs. We don't need to talk about a particular study, um, but there's there's lots and lots, scores literally of, of research studies that people have done about uh, the music that people listen to while working out and what music is best and, and what it does and all that sort of thing. But we did want to talk about it because Michelle, you borrowed my playlist this week. It's true. I, I love running to the 2020 playlist. I will just, I'm not trying, this is not, I don't like some of your other playlists. <laughs> this is a nice way to say this, but, but there are some that I, that I really do like. Um, but I realized that the 2020 playlist, I've listened to that so many times at Kennesaw that I know exactly what's going to come at exactly which hills. Mm -hmm. And I needed something. I just needed a little mm -hmm. bit of a change. Um, so I'm not good at the Spotify thing. So I did ask you, I was like, do you have one of these for 2021? And you yes. said, I have 2021 and 2022. So And, and 2019, 2018, 2017, all the way back to 2013. But yeah, keep going. I, I'd probably take all of those, but <laughs> I think what led into this was, I'm not sure if I started the conversation, but I'm realizing that if I'm just out for whatever, an easy run, I'm, I'm never really looking at my watch. I don't really look at my watch on the trails either, but I noticed that I run the slowest. If I'm listening to a podcast, I run the fastest if I'm listening to music and then if I'm not listening to anything, I'm always somewhere in between. Mm -hmm. So I think I said to you, like, do you think it's possible that, you know, listening to a podcast versus listening to music just means that on any given day with the same amount of energy to expend, you know, you're going to run maybe like for me, like 945 pace instead of 915 pace. This is this is just I believe this to be like a pillar of truth in my life at this point. It, um, and and, it, and, so, it, and it's, it is a pillar of truth generally. Yeah. Um, and and the, the answer to that question is that, yeah, if you listen to, to up-tempo music, there's a variety of ways that it, it benefits you. It lowers your rate of perceived exertion. Um, it can potentially distract you from the effort. Um, it can do all sorts of other things for you as well. Do you ever listen to it while you're running hard or only while you're running easy? No, I typically, no, I, I would, I'm more inclined to listen to it while either I'm running hard or I know it's an easy run. That's going to be particularly harder than some other easy long run. Does that make sense? Um, uh, yeah. You mean like I'm a trail almost, run or something? Yeah. <laughs> like every trail run. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I'm almost always listening. You know, yesterday I had, uh, I did like six by three minute hill repeat. So I was listening to it the whole time, hmm. but just the first 30 minutes of that run just kind of, you know, when I looked at my watch and the average pace, I was like, whoa, why am I running that fast? Like, this is just supposed to be getting, you know, like I was just supposed to kind of be lollygagging until I start to the warm up. But yeah, I mean, I'm listening to a workout playlist. So I'm just kind of cruising a little bit faster uh, than I know I would if I had, you know, not listened to music or started with the podcast and then switched to music. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, and see, that's funny to me because you actually wrote to me afterwards and said, this, this playlist starts really slowly. And I'm like, well, yeah. So my playlists always start a little bit slowly because I always put warm up music in there. <laughs> it's really <laughs> and the then worst have cool music. down music at the end. Like the last two or three songs are always kind of slow as well. And then usually like depending on what, what my training looks like that particular year, like the best songs tend to come at whatever the peak of the workouts tend to be for me. I don't, I don't listen to um, music while I'm running easy runs, whether they're on trails or anything else. I don't listen to them while I'm racing either um, unless I'm on the treadmill. Um, and, and uh, I do tend to listen to them when I'm doing workouts on the treadmill, whether they're hard or easy, but even if I'm doing a hard workout outside, I don't listen to music then either. Um, I listen to it when I'm on the bike always because I only ride my bike inside, but I never listened to it when I was, when I used to ride my bike outside though. Um, and so any easy, any workout I do inside, I'm listening to music and I, I never listen to music when I'm outside. Um, and the music changes based on what the workout actually is going to be. Um, sure. Do you ever, I, I wonder too, I, I said that it, it does, you know, studies have shown that it does reduce your, your. Uh, rate of perceived exertion, it does potentially distract you from the effort, which I don't think is necessarily a good thing, by the way. Um, do you ever, you know, we talked about temptation bundling when we talked about Danielle Friedman's article uh, in the New York Times uh, a couple of weeks ago. Do you ever use it as a way of temptation bundling? Like there's a song you really want to listen to, but you only listen to it while you're doing your workout? Yeah. One of those songs is on that 2020 list. Every time I, I don't, I forget the name of it. Um, because you don't listen to it unless you're running. <laughs> right. But I know when it's coming in the run and I know, and I like want to get to it. Yeah. So I have to get through the first like 17 songs. This is so frustrating that I don't understand. I yeah. I kind of actually want to know what's such a now. pattern follower. Uh, it's right. It, you are the most regular person I, I've ever met. Other than Lee Ragsdale. <laughs> this, this, Every this day at 9.15, Lee Ragsdale walks by my office to go to the bathroom. He's the most regular person in the world. But you, you. Waka the... Waka. <laughs> so, uh, oh, it's Waka Waka, the song by uh, by Shakira from, from the World Cup several years ago. I mean, this gets me all the way, like, <laughs> past the monument at Kennesaw. Like, it's, mm -hmm. it's amazing. That's a great song. Um, and then I want to play it over and over once I hear it. So it's a little bit depressing once it's over. And now I'm sure someone's going to tell me that I can repeat the music on my AirPods by tapping them. I can't, I don't, I don't you, can, you can, you can repeat them on Spotify just by hitting the button. I'm not going to pull out my phone and hit the button. Okay. Fair, fair. Okay. Um, but, but no, that's a great workout song. As a matter of fact, I, I'll give it to you for that one. And I'm glad that I included on that playlist. I mean, every song that's particularly, you know, that's it, at that part of the playlist in the middle part of the playlist, uh, uh certainly is a song that I like there. Like, um, um, I get this it. song I think is like what dreams are made of when you're running, like, <laughs> <laughs> like this, you could, I could do anything to this song. So awesome. So so I have a different philosophy on this. So <laughs> I, I have three playlists. And um, so like George, I generally only listen to music when I'm doing a workout on a controlled course. I don't have a treadmill, so that, that's out. Right. Um, I have listened to music on the bike before, but typically not. Um, I never listen to music on the trail because uh, it takes too much concentration away from 
I, I don't want to break an ankle or anything like that. So, and I know that that'll be an issue. So if I'm on a nice flat controlled course where I'm not worried about getting hit by cars or a cyclist or something like that, I'll, I'll listen to music, but I only do it during workouts. Now, the reason why I have three playlists is one is sort of just kind of general high, high beat music. And um, it's, it's very silly where I got the music. I got it off of um, the, the uh, video game FIFA. So it's basically the entire FIFA playlist from 2012 to uh, now. Yeah, you talked about that before. Yeah. yeah. And I don't know why I really like that stuff, but I think that, I don't know, that just, I don't even know half of those artists or their music. It's just good, good running music. Um, but that's sort of like the general, like if I'm just going out for a long, hard effort, not hard, but uh, upbeat effort. Now, the other two lists I have, though, I, um, I choose from artists of my era. Um, <laughs> and it's either I have a mix called grind and then I have a mix called high intensity. Mm-hmm. And the grind is about if I'm doing like hill workouts. And it's just, I need to get into that steady tempo and just keep grinding out the workout. And I don't turn it off on the downhill parts when I'm recovering or anything. I just, but I, I just use it. And then the high tempo one, it's like Lincoln park type music. Um, (laughs) And I use that for, and there's some beastie boys in there. And I use that for when I'm doing um, a high paced workout, some like high interval type stuff. And I find that that's, super effective and i it's it does take your mind off it and i kind of understand your point george that like you should be focusing on it because like i I don't wear it racing so it's i'm not listing racing i mean so i'm not going to get that same sort of distanced effect i think there is another side to that though that you're getting the physically you're getting the benefit regardless of whether you're paying attention to it or not sure um so i i see that as a benefit um I think though that the, the difference in what you're talking about, like you have this playlist that kind of builds up to a crescendo, and then maybe you have a cool down. I'm more of like, okay, it's this time of type of workout, so I'm going to play this yeah. music, and I don't start it until I get into the workout. So, and because that would totally trash my warm up, I know yeah. that for a fact. <laughs> and then I turn for, it for off the for reason the cool that down. Michelle described that 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 you look well, down and you realize you've been running faster than you thought you were supposed to. Right. Yeah. So one one other point that I would make is I am. I'm a big fan of, um, and I, I don't know if everybody does stuff like this, but I don't like doing intervals that are like, okay, two minutes on one minute off, or, you know, two minutes on one minute off. Like I, I would rather use landmarks or, um, in some cases I'll use music and I'll, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll say, okay, this set of music is about like a spin instructor. About, yeah. Each song is about three minutes. So, we're going to go three on three off or something along those lines. And I just appreciate breaking it up into something other than time. Time t- sometimes I think is it, it's not race accurate. You know, it's, that's not how a race works. Um, so maybe on the track, it's a little, a little more timed, but I, I like breaking it up like that and using the song as the indicator of when to go and when not to go. So I, if, if y'all have ever seen the television show, The Good Place, it's about people that that die and go off to the place beyond life, right? Yeah. And, the, yep, and yep. There, there, there's a character on there named Janet. And Janet is like a walking computer that knows everything. And so people who have died can ask Janet, Janet, how many times did my heart beat during my life? And Janet knows the answer. 
Janet, I one time met this person and I had the impression that they were into me. Were they into me? No, they weren't into you. Oh, okay. Right. <laughs> like, so one of the questions that I would ask Janet is, Janet, how much time during my life did I spend making playlists? And the answer <laughs> would be obscene. <laughs> and it's, and a, it's, it's an all and like it's a it's crazy what happens when you start into that process. Oh, but 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 and, and I do that process multiple times a week. So so I, I have my own play. I, I do one playlist a year. Right. Um, as was suggested by by Michelle at the outset of this conversation. Right. And and I tend to give that playlist a name that is reflective of what's going on in that year. Usually it has to do with the lyrics of one of the songs, maybe something else like that. Um, and so so. I, I have my 2022 playlist and it has some music from 2022, some music da, 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 right? But then, as you all know, I coach that uh, group workout on Trainer Road on Wednesdays and Fridays. Mm -hmm. And there are playlists that I make every single week for each of those workouts. Um, and, and on Wednesdays, it's a musical theme of the week. And on Friday, it's an artist of the week. And I don't repeat themes or artists over the course of an entire calendar year. Yeah. And so I, I, I am literally sitting down every week making a playlist. And then I have to make sure that the songs that I put together on the playlist actually cover the entire length of, of the repeat that I want them to play. So, <laughs> it, so it's silly. That is that process that you just described. And I actually think you like it. It's like an art for you. I do, that is I do actually like it. I know. I know you do. That is drudgery and misery for me. Like <laughs> if I don't have a playlist from somebody else, then I'm, I'm totally fine running with nothing. I, I was going to say, Eric, to your comment about how quote unquote regular or scheduled I am the past three times. Uh, one time I ran with nothing for like three hours. The next time before I met, before I met you, George, I listened to the book of the quarter running wild black. And that was like 14 miles. And I just went to that. And then the most, I guess my more recent long run, I, I did listen to music. So I don't, sometimes I just kind of get up on the weekend and I'm like, I don't want anything. I just want to clear my head. Every time I do this, I never can clear my head anyway. So it's like, oh, I should have just listened to something, but it's not definitive kind of, I don't have a, I always do this, you know, for this or that, for that. It's just a general, um, a general realization that a hundred percent, I'm going to go the slowest when I'm listening to a podcast, I'm going to go the fastest when I'm listening to music and I'm going to go somewhere in between if I'm listening to nothing on easy runs, let's say, you know, just on non-specified pace runs. Well, so, so let's, let's actually talk about that then, because it's funny you mentioned like podcasts. So podcasts or books like the book of the quarter running while black that you just mentioned, those require brain power, presumably for you to listen to. Right. Um, and, and if you are actually devoting some brain power to listening to those, that's brain power that you cannot devote to actually running. And, and even though I'm talking about brain power, that's still power. It's still, it's still focus. Still it's, still, it's still energy. Exactly. That, that you have to pour into listening to and processing, uh, what the podcast has to say. It's funny because, like I've had people before say, I was listening to your podcast this morning while I was doing a hard workout. And I'm like, man, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I'm like or, 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 or like people will say, will say, oh, I did that trainer road workout that you wrote. And I, while listening to your podcast, that was really funny. I was doing the workout you wrote while listening to the podcast. I'm like, okay, one of those you weren't really focused on either, <laughs> either you weren't listening to the podcast 
or you weren't really going all that hard in the workout because you can't do both of those things at, at one time because each of them require too much of a proportion, or I like to think each one of them require too much of a proportion of your energy to, to be able to do simultaneously. Right. And I, I would say that one of the reasons for that, just, just to, is, and people will all understand this. You've already heard the song. You're not processing the song right. in the same way that you are a conversation. Right. So even if you're just listening to the conversation, you're, it's something new. Every, every second is something new. Whereas if you're listening to a song, Michelle mentioned every time she gets to the monument, it's this song. She expects the song. She knows the words. It's more about the beat. You don't even need to le listen to the words. Right. So I think that, yeah, that definitely takes your attention away from what you're doing and, and requires more brain power. Absolutely. And then the, the other thing, when it comes to actually listening to music, um, what research has, has borne out is that the beats per minute of the music is really the critical component, or at least the most critical component. Um, and and uh, they say that for high intensity exercise, and, and most of the time when I'm doing things, listening to music, most of the time, not all the time, but most of the time it's high intensity because it's inside and I'm either running hard or riding hard. Um, every now and then it's a, it's an easy ride every now and then it's a, it's a easy run. Um, but, but they say for those, you need to be looking at music that has a beats per minute count of 140, um, that, that anything over 140, you're going to be able to, to do well. And anything under that, you need to be more relaxed. And then essentially there's, as you would imagine, different levels going all the way down. So if you're doing like an easy run, you're okay with 120 beats per minute. And if you're doing like, like uh, uh, yoga or something like that, you're good with like 60 beats a minute. Right. Um, and so the, like, like depending on what it is um, and there's all these beats per minute calculators online. And and so I was looking at those in preparation for this and I really went down a rabbit hole with the yeah, beats per minute calculator. <laughs> yeah, <you did. laughs> um, and I, and I found myself, I, I, I want to go to it here in just a minute, actually. And I want to, want to type in Waka Waka uh, in just a minute in, in order to get what it is. But, but yeah, I was going through and I was like, all right, so what are some of my favorite songs to listen to? And what are the beat counts for those? Right. I do love the top of the list. Yeah. Okay. And so, so the top of you mentioned the Beastie Boys a minute ago. Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. I, that that usually comes up on my playlist sometime like near the very end when I'm like, okay, I am just deep in the pain cave at this point. And that's all. I was like, I can't stand it. I know you're playing it. You know, <laughs> like that's what I need you to hear. At the that beginning point. of that song. The beginning yeah. of that song. You your your heart rate goes up. You don't oh, have yeah. to be doing anything. You, yeah, yeah, for sure. That is on sure. my high intensity playlist. And, so. and, and fittingly, understandably, it is 168 beats per minute. <laughs> yeah, that makes yeah. sense, right? Um, I was surprised to see that Till I Collapse by Eminem, which not only has like the high beat count, but also has lyrics that about like keeping going until you collapse and all that sort of thing. It's 171. So that may be objectively, scientifically speaking, the greatest workout song of all time. <laughs> Um, um, every time we touch by Cascadia, um, which I figured that that would be pretty high. It was only 142, but still kind of gets it. I had always wondered why Beyonce's countdown was such a good song for, for the trainer and for workouts. And it turns out it has a 167 
It's almost as high as Sabotage. It's a great song for the trainer, as it turns out. And that might be because of its uh, its beats per minute. Uh, right Hand Man from Hamilton is 159. Another song that I really like to listen to. Um, uh, Industry Baby by Lil Nas X and Jack Harlow, which is the uh, on my 2022 playlist and actually gave the title to my 2022 playlist. It's 150 beats per minute. So that's a good one to know. Um, Jaded by Green Day which is a great one. And in, and to use Eric's words, it is from our era. Um, it is uh, 159 beats per minute, which makes sense. I would actually would have thought it might've been higher than that. Um, Giddy Up, Let's Ride by Kinsu, which is on my 2022 playlist. That's 148. Um, and then kind of a random one. For some reason, I'd always wondered why What the Hell by Avril Lavigne is so good. Um, and it turns out it has 150 beats per minute. And so maybe that's the reason why it's so much fun. Same thing with Can't Explain by The Who, which is on my 2020 playlist, 2022 playlist, um, since they're a London band. Um, it has 138 beats per minute, which is just below that 140 beats per minute threshold. Yeah. So, so yeah. Um, but again, it's not always about that. I think there's other things. Probably one of my all-time favorite workout songs uh, over the course of the last few years in particular is Annie Up by NMOP. It's only 94. So according to like the beats per minute calculators, that would be something that would be good for, I don't know, like easy running at best. Um, uh, Where's the Love by Hanson, which before you start making fun of me, if you haven't listened to that song while working out, that is a great song. Both of y'all are like looking at me like I'm insane right now. Uh, Eric is actually mimicking shooting himself in the face. <laughs> that oh, song man. is great for, for, for a playlist. I don't know why. Um, it might be because it's super fun. It's not because the beats per minute, because it's only 116 beats per minute. So I don't know. Mama said knock you out. Mama said knock you out. I Mama said knock you out by LL Cool J, which is a great song, right? Which is actually the uh, inspiration for the title of my 2016 playlist. It's only 102 beats per minute. Only two, 102 beats per minute. Uh, Long Live the Chief by Zadana. It's only 85 beats a minute. And I love that song, but probably just because of the swagger in it. I've said before that that I think rap music is the best music to listen to while working out because there's so much swagger. Um, <laughs> and that's just like something that fuels me when I'm running. And then strangely, right above it, which is actually Lauren Fogarty's uh, favorite song, friend of the podcast, Lauren Fogarty. That's her favorite workout song. It's only 76 by Lil Wayne and Drake. Um, which I think is kind of strange. I was surprised by that. I thought it was much higher than that. Um, if you ain't running with it, run from it, mother. It's a good song. <laughs> See, this is my point. Like you really like this. You're, you're I do. Super but it, and, and, it, and it's, it's funny amazing too because, for me because so, I have so, a curated playlist. <laughs> so like like the like the people who who do those workouts with me on Wednesdays and Fridays are always like, I appreciate how much work you put into these workouts. I'm like, yeah, no problem. <laughs> I mean, I have to say that that's one of the things that I loved about spinning is the playlist. And if you go to the same teacher all the time, there's certain songs like the 10th song will always be like a Katy Perry song or something. And I totally dig that. But I Katy Perry I've has been the thought, artist of the of the week this year. And yeah, I've always thought that I could totally be like a fitness class instructor. I could never do the part where they have to make a playlist every single time they teach. Michelle. No. I don't want to be George. I'm we have saying. found our million dollar partnership. Oh boy. You, no, you, you be, you be the instructor. I will be the playlist maker. <laughs> we will become famous. We will be the if next you, Matt Wilpers. Except there's forget the CPA gig. High echelon virtual workout with music. I've actually yes. been asking for, 
I would like to see uh, virtual treadmill runs. Enough of this biking. <laughs> so I do lots of virtual treadmill runs. They're always on Zwift, remember? Yeah, I know, but like with- uh, She means like, like with... Peloton. Peloton uh, okay. Style. Yeah, no, Peloton has those. Yeah, but 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 yeah, that's just, the, the technology is not quite there yet, I suppose, yeah, but, I but maybe we should create it. Maybe that's the million dollar. I don't know. <laughs> All right. So one other piece of research I did want to talk about here um, uh, before we before we call it a day here. Uh, it also has grown out of the conversations that we have had both on this podcast and on our text threads and just sort of generally speaking in our lives about the time of day that we all do workouts. Um, and, and this is something that because of a line that was actually in this study is, is very much in my head right now. And so, so I'm excited to share this with you all and see what you think. But there were some researchers from Skidmore, uh, which is in New York, Arizona State and uh, Cal State Chico um, got together and they gathered up um, 56 people, uh, 30 men, 26 women between the ages of 25 and 55 years old, all of whom were highly active. Um, and they defined highly active as they did at least 30 minutes of structured physical activity uh, four days a week for more than three years. So um, not as active as the three of us, but but still that's considered to be highly active. Um, and so they took all 56 of those people who had a history of, of exercising and training. Um, and over the course of 12 weeks, they gave them a varied workout program. They had like four different workouts that each one of them did each week. One of them was a strength workout. One of them was like a stretching workout. One of them was a high intensity workout. One of them was a low intensity workout, right? Um, and, and they had them do that. And then one of the groups, though, exercised uh, between 6.30 and 8.30 a.m. for an hour somewhere in there. So like at the start of their day. And then the other group, did it between 6 p.m. and 8 p.m., so at the end of their day, right? And this is ultimately what the study was all about, trying to find out what the optimal time of day was um, for, for exercise. And what they found was it was different for men and for women, um, which I think is kind of fascinating because Michelle loves getting up super early, and I don't. <laughs> Like I, mean, I literally sent Michelle a text last night at 9.40 p.m. As it happens, it was about a playlist. And and then I got up this morning and it said on that text, red, 4.14 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but here's what it found. Here's what it found. It said uh, morning exercise in women enhances total and abdominal fat loss, reduces blood pressure, and increases lower body muscle power. Evening exercise for women greatly increases upper body muscle strength, power, and endurance, and enhances overall mood, <clears throat> Michelle. Um, for men, they found that in the morning and in the evening, strength went up. But in the evening, you also had additional benefits in terms of lower systolic blood pressure and fatigue, uh, lower fatigue, and it stimulated more fat oxygenation when they exercised in the evening than it did when they exercised in the morning. Okay. Uh, now, like I said, there was you, one line they... that, that actually really struck me. And, and, and then I want to hear what Eric has to say. The one line that struck me is that, that ultimately they concluded, quote, the time of day may be important to optimize individual exercise induced health and performance outcomes in physically active individuals and may be independent of macronutrient intake. <clears throat> unquote. Repeat may be independent of macronutrient intake. I have spent so much time over the course of the past five months in my life thinking about macronutrients. And then I read this effing study that suggests that maybe the time of day actually matters 
more than the macronutrient intake. So now I'm completely twisted. All this time, I've been trying to up my protein intake and stuff. And all I needed to do was shift my workouts from the morning to the evening. So I I think it's... Go ahead, Eric. I don't know. <laughs> I, th- there are so many assumptions made in this that it's equally acceptable for you to run in the morning and the evening. True. That your sleep cycle supports running in the morning and the evening that your work schedule supports it your family supports it there's so many different things in here that your your day job is not physically uh demanding true this is i'm i'm really interested in like the 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 people that are involved in this and how they chose that because I, i just so but that last line i I don't, maybe keep, keep up with the, the maybe. In other words, we didn't analyze this whatsoever. <laughs> so I don't, I don't want you to get hung up on that, George. True. So Good point. Good point. You know, because I'll say this, if, if, if I can get into the right cycle and I'm running in the morning, I end up running further. I end up being more controlled about my pace. I end up feeling better for the rest of the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, bar none. That, that is, that has been my whole life like that. If I, if I end up trying to do it over lunch or, or in the evening, I'm rushed, I run faster, it's a worse workout, and uh, I'm, more tired the next, I'm more tired during the day leading up to that. So I'll just look at that and say, that right there tells me that regardless of the study, that works for me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Michelle? I think that there is a huge truth in timing what you eat um, and what you eat and when you eat it that most likely falls in line with when you exercise, meaning it's not like one or the other, right? If you're a morning exerciser, your macronutrient needs would be timed differently and, you know, and change as, Mm. as the day goes on versus if you're an evening exerciser, you know, what it would, what that breakfast and potential, potentially snack or one or two after are going to look like I'm actually like on a waiting list to work with, um, a sports, a registered dietitian that I've been following for a long time and finally made the leap to, to reach out to. And this is, you know, from what I read from her, this is her biggest thing is a lot of people that come to her, like they're 85, 90%, like we're all, you know, I mean, amateur, some are probably professionals, but we're, we're not necessarily eating the wrong things. You know, maybe you're under fueling, over fueling, whatever. But she said the biggest thing that she works with people on is just the timing yeah. of when they eat what they eat. Like that's one of the biggest takeaways from, you know, people who have had trouble, let's say like fueling and, and then, you know, get through um, a few sessions with her. So this article to me, that statement that, you know, threw you off, George, I think, you got to take that with like a grain of salt. <laughs> no, like, I, I totally, like, I totally do need to take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> I recognize that, but like, it's still, it's stuck in my head. Like I, I, I thought until I read that line, which that line, by the way, is not from, it's not from like the, it, it's from the actual scientist who wrote the article, right? It's not from like a commentary on the article that actually is in the, the, the journal. Um, and so, so that, that's the reason why it's stuck in my head so much, but yeah, I mean, both of y'all, I think are are right that, that it definitely needs to be taken with a grain of salt. I think to Eric's point, I think that consistency matters more than any of it. Right. Like, and so if you're inconsistent, 
that's not going to lower your systolic blood pressure, lower your fatigue and stimulate fat oxidation, period. Right. And so, so the most important thing in doing those things is to actually be consistent over time. And if you're better able to be consistent by doing it every single morning rather than doing it in the evenings, then, then yeah, I think that totally matters. Um, and, and then likewise, and also to Michelle's point, this was actually, if you think about it in terms of generalizing for all of men and all of women, even though this was 56 people, which is a, a decent sized study, it's not a whole lot of people to mm -hmm. generalize over literally like billions of people um, that only 56 people. It's, it's not a ton. Um, there, there would need to be more studies and more studies that took into a fat into account diets and macronutrient intake and that sort of thing in order to really be able to draw rock solid conclusions about these sorts of things. Um, so maybe instead of taking this with a grain of salt, you need to take this with a pile of macronutrients. <laughs> with, 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 with some turkey jerky? <laughs> well, yeah. And I just, I reread that statement and this doesn't say, this statement doesn't even say that macronutrient intake is not important. And it doesn't say that macronutrient intake is not more important than when you exercise. It's just saying they're two independent things. Yeah. So, I would consider that too, George. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now to Michelle's point, this is interesting. So I I am not, I've tried like to monitor my intake of food and the type of food I eat and all that. And I, I just can't, it's too complicated. I can't, I, I would never do to the level that you do, George. Yeah. I mean, I just, and, but what I've, what I've done is, you know, like Melissa and I have set up like my wife, we've set up like healthy eating habits. Like we don't have a lot of trash in the house. So we, 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 we make sure it's healthy food in the house. We make healthy meals. You know, we we're, we're like 75% vegan right now, which I think is a good thing for many reasons, but I just kind of allow my body to determine when I eat, I'm hungry. I eat. I think it was funny. You know, what Michelle just said, you know, like people who exercise in the afternoon, they probably have a different requirement. What's really interesting is I don't eat breakfast. I eat lunch. I eat dinner and then I usually eat a lot of food right before I go to bed, which is, everybody says that is the wrong thing to do. I agree. It's probably the wrong thing to do, but it really helps me when I run in the morning. Mm. I think that it's there for me to burn in the morning. And when I try to do the same thing, like over lunch, it doesn't work out. And when I try to do the same thing in the evening, it doesn't work out. So I wonder if there is something at play there where my body's kind of reached this homeostasis where I'm running in the morning and it's like, okay, we got to fuel because you're not going to get up early enough to eat anything before we run. So yeah. <laughs> go ahead and pack some calories in. And, and peak fitness for me, I am a big fan of like a full bowl of cereal and milk before bed, before a long run. Because then you're waking up and you're not in a dinner was 12 hours ago deficit. And maybe yeah. you had a snack before bed. Like mm -hmm. you can kind of top off what you had right before you went to bed, which probably didn't fully, you know, digest overnight the way the food, the rest of the day did. And I, I want you to ask the nutritionist whether that's a good thing and then report back to her. Oh, I know she's a big fan of that. Like, okay, she good. And, and, I, and, I, and I'm, I'm not personally a big fan of that. I knew and, and, and the nutritionist that I most recently saw is also not a big fan of that. Um, and so I, I it, nutrition is such a profoundly individualized and to me frustrating thing um, because I just can't, I, I just cannot, or I have not been able to up to this point in my life been able to figure out a sustainable way, a sustainable way 
to actually uh, to 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 eat over time. I, I haven't but, been able to figure out how to do that. Um, uh, and 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 what does that mean? Wait, what is that to eat over? Like, what's a sustainable way to? You mean to maintain almost race weight? Yeah, to 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 maintain what I would consider to be an acceptable race weight, not even like the leanest race weight, but an acceptable race weight, not 10 to 12 pounds over race weight, but over time without having to drain myself mentally by tracking and disciplining and things like that. Like that that has I mean, been extremely difficult for me and it has become increasingly difficult as I've gotten older. Well, um, but do you think that's because your race weight yeah, do you think your raceway target is maybe a little too aggressive? I, I I think potentially it is. And I recognize that there are things that sound like threads of disordered eating and what I'm talking about, by the way. I should say that too. Oh, you totally um, have some of that. And, and, cool. and I, 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 I recognize cool. that. Um, but okay. but at the same time, um, when, when, when I'm talking about like what I would consider to be a good sustainable weight, I'm not talking about the weight that I was prior to the London Marathon, which I thought was great, which was a, a, a very lean weight. Uh, I'm talking about like four to five pounds over that. that. That's what I would consider to be something that's sustainable and comfortable. When I'm 10 to 12 pounds over that, I'm uncomfortable. I'm uncomfortable in my clothes. I'm uncomfortable in my self-image. I'm uncomfortable running up and down hills. Um, hmm. I'm good being three to five pounds over what I would consider to be my ideal race weight. I, I'm not good being 10 to 12 pounds over it. And I, and I found that, that I have to exert more than a, a desirable amount of discipline, too much discipline in order to be at that just sort of maintenance weight. I haven't been able to find out a good sustainable way to actually maintain that. And that's frustrating. I, I figured it out. I, I figured it out. I don't weigh myself anymore. <laughs> that is, that does not work for me. But so. I do, I do want to say <laughs> one more thing about um, eating something before bed. And I didn't actually, I started doing that when I was going through, um, when I was working with that sleep therapist last year, because a huge part of what I realized of why I, it wasn't it, I would say like, whatever, it was a, a part of why I was having so much trouble sleeping was because I was hungry. And she, she would make me like take a piece of bread upstairs or just like mm. a solid carbohydrate and just like, don't be scared of eating it before you go to bed. But only once I started doing that and I started feeling better and I started like waking up for a long run and not, you know, starting and feeling like such a depleted state, did I le learn more about like the sports nutrition part of that, um, that a lot of people do, you know, have a, a bowl of cereal is just an example. I mean, you could have any. Um, but you know, it has like carbs, sugar, uh, protein, dairy, whatever. But, um, so I stumbled upon that, you know, as a way to, to get back to like healthier sleep habits, but the added benefit of that was I learned that, you know, instead of like eating dinner at five o'clock and then <laughs> eating almost nothing, or maybe just a small snack before I would wake up early and run actually eating like another mini meal before bed it helped me sleep. And it also gave me the added benefit of not, you know, of feeling more fueled uh, for a long run. So, you you know, that's where you can came from. Did you know that? Yeah. This so, is a so great the, topic. So I the, wish I the, had the, about Yeah. You can was originally Same, created yeah. out of, out of a substance that was created for children who would wake up in the night because they were hungry. And so well, they, they created this to, super, they, they created this super yeah, starch that they could eat right, before bed. To just bed. keep the glycemic index from exactly. too much. Yeah. In order to help huh. their sleep. 
And then, yeah. and then the makers of UCAN took like that technology and, and applied sure. it to sports nutrition. Yeah. Um, I had a doctor when I was in high school, I was, I was notorious uh, insomniac in high school. And I had a doctor say, drink a glass of milk. And then I did that and that worked for a little while. Then he's like, eat, eat a piece of bread. And it got to the point where I was drinking like the, a, a carafe of milk and eating eight pieces of bread. <laughs> <laughs> now in high school, I could get away with that, I, but it worked. Huh? I don't know. Maybe I'm still doing that now. So I don't know. All right. I mean, all, all things to be continually considered and of course revisited over time. I can't do the timing thing. I have found that that that's a level of, of, of diligence that, that I can't apply. Um, I've done it in the past and, to great success, but, but yeah. All right. To be continued, y'all, we definitely want to circle back around with this conversation, but I know that Michelle has to go to the Turkey trot at her kid's school here. So um, good luck to the girls. Well, I only have one girl. Good luck to the girl. To the girl. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. My uh, years ago, I I guess six and eight years ago, there was no fun run for the elementary school kids. So this is fun. I like it. So anyway, I hope you crush them. I hope you crush them. (laughs) <laughs> Eric, thanks for joining, even though you got here late. Oh, it's fun. Thanks for letting me in. All righty. Bye, guys. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's SlayRx.com, Facebook.com slash here for SlayRx. That's the number four, SlayRx. Twitter, at official SlayRx. And Instagram, here for SlayRx, the number four, SlayRx. Discount code PLEASANT22. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast.